Alright, welcome back everyone. This is a new year. We're now in 2023. Brad Spotlight Podcast here. I'm Alexis Soto, joined by Peter for the second time in a number of weeks now. So, of course, it's a special occasion that he's even here and, you know, not wasting away and able to record on a podcast here. We talk about all the things movies and so much more and what a year it was in movies. I was just reading this list, by the way. I don't... I think it was Entertainment Weekly or was it Variety? I don't remember what was it, but they were counting all the biggest news stories of last year. And it was a pretty depressing year, (laughs) I think, wholesale. Um, You may have noticed that in the last couple of months, we haven't really dedicated much time to discussing movie news or box offices as we used to because, well, it's all the same story. It's all just gone to shit, hasn't it? Uh, Post-COVID, it's just a disaster where no one feels the impetus to go see a film out in the theater unless it's one of the three, if at they see a year, if that. And it's gotten so much worse now, and every film is now perpetually bombing, some of which we'll actually discuss today. Um, but it's been rather depressing, and so that's why we've put much more of a focus on the films that we've seen, and we've seen so many more, and we just want to promote those movies and talk about the things that we like instead of, um, you know, you know, last year, what was it? It was Warner Discovery, you know, David Zaslav came in, and his reign of terror has only gotten started. He just recently canceled, like, half of the seasons of the Looney Tunes on HBO Max, just pulled them off because reasons probably gonna sell him yeah (laughs) yeah yeah he's just stripping warner brothers for parts and what's even worse there's speculation that he's getting it ready to sell it to universal which is even more of a disaster and i don't even want to think about that because it's so it just it disgusts me outright um it was the year that batgirl was canceled that was one of zaslav's first uh decisions and of course we that was the disaster in and of itself uh, James Gunn and David Zafran uh, are now head of DC, and they fired Henry Cavill, so and a bunch of other uh, familiar faces. So a lot of you know big movement. Um, Bob Chapek picked a fight with Ron DeSantis and lost, and then he was fired, and Bob Iger is back. Um. Oh, and did we mention that every film under the sun, not named Mar, not under the name of Marvel Studios or James Cameron, um, bombed. Horribly. That may have been mentioned already, but you know, just to put it out there. I always count on you for the fun stories. (laughs) And uh, you know, so many fun stories. Uh, Also, the incident that happened at the Academy Awards. Everybody was having such a good night, and then, you know, Will Smith slapped somebody, and it was like dramatic for a minute. And then it seemingly has gone way over proportion at this point. But it was a moment that everybody saw on live TV. Although I will, I'm thankful that. it does make the case for live TV. Um, mm-hmm. Speaking of, you know, this is a movie podcast. I think we can safely say that the Academy Awards last year was just another epic disaster, as it usually is every year. I mean, the slap notwithstanding, um, they cut out eight categories and it went to four and a half hours long. That's <laughs> that's a. I don't know <laughs> what's going on. It's like cursed. Every year, every year it's something. It literally is. Every year is a disaster, so I can't wait to see how they're going to mess it up this year. They they couldn't even get a performance of We Don't Talk About Bruno right last year. That's how bad it was. Every year. That was really bad. How hard is it to just <laughs> do the, the fucking song? Not your 
Not your, oh, your cheeky take on it. Fuck that. After they didn't even nominate the song. Yeah. It, it was just there because they wanted ratings, and hey, they had ratings, but um, nobody seemed to like the ceremony, so let's see how it is this year along with the nominees. Uh, so, yeah, uh, it, it's... What can you say? Netflix didn't have a great year either. Um, we live in a capitalistic society, and it demands growth for the sake of growth, and because of that, Netflix and all of what it's been doing has been proclaimed a failure. And so it's been, you know, trying to do a whole bunch of new things, like a new ad tier uh, subscription service, you know, to get some numbers up here and going. They've been canceling a lot of shit. Animation's not in a great place because, you know, between Netflix and HBO Max, um, it's just being the first one to, you know, let go. It's a lot of depressing shit here. <laughs> I'm sorry to, to drudge all of this up, but that was the year. So, um, Hey, there was that. Anyway, as far as for today is this year, we're going to obviously this year going to be talking about so many more movies. And, you know, we're ramping up toward the Oscars, which, if I'm not mistaken, are going to be, I believe, the week of the 15th of March. So we're pretty close-ish. Um, and later on this month, I want to say on the 27th of January, we're going to have the uh, nominations to the Academy Awards. And in these next two weeks, we'll have the Critics' Choice and the Golden Globes. Uh, go first and see who they award. And of course, we're going to be here for all of that coverage and more. But for today, what are we doing today? Well, we have some big movies to discuss. Peter finally saw Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, or as he prefers to call it, Glass Onion, A Benoit Blanc Mystery, although I think that's a far superior title. And of course, reasons uh, and the powers that be did not allow that to be the actual title of it because we need like, you know, IP um, identification. We also have to review The Whale, the latest film by uh, Darren Aronofsky and Brendan Fraser. And then Babylon, which is the latest from Damien Chazelle. And goodness, how could you have like gone the holiday week uh, break and not gone, you know, and not seen <laughs> Babylon or at least heard about the discourse, the endless discourse of the movie. So that's that's today's show here on 428. That's a lot of episodes. Um, before we get to any of this, uh, I just had to blow through a couple of movies that I've seen. Have you been seeing anything besides these movies that I mentioned? Um, no. No? Because I've seen so many. I've seen too many. And I'll just go... I think <laughs> you need to, like, drink water or something. Why? I don't think yours has have time to currently. Well, you know. Okay. Um, Feels like you're skipping meals just to see these movies. Well, it's it's a mixture of movies. I had a lot of time. Or I had two weeks off, so I had plenty of time to see any, a lot of things. And it was a mixture of a lot of films that I did not care for, and then some films that I really, really enjoyed to really loved. Um, we should start off with This Place Rules, because that's the one you recommended me to see yesterday. It's a documentary, yes. A24 documentary, streaming right now on HBO Max. And it is... Um, directed by Andrew Callahan. And this has to deal with like the, the way that I would describe this film is a great document documentation of the absolute batshit insanity that exists in the country that you don't want to spend too much time thinking about, but you have to be confronted with it in all its glory. And, 
for why it was the perfect conditions for the violence that broke out on January 6, 2021. It's very much, I would think, the single best documentation for um, why that happened and for why the conditions that existed, uh, that exist, allowed that to happen. And um, half of it, look, a good portion of it is quite hilarious. But then you have to remember, you have to remind yourself that these are actual human beings and this is not a movie. Like this is actual, these are actual thoughts that people have in this country. And it makes you just like, I know Sam Cedar said once, I think it was a year ago when he was reacting to a video of some lady singing Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You, but she rewrote the lyrics to an anti-lockdown, anti-masker vax thing at a city council meeting. As you do. <laughs> and his response to that was, it's hard to see that and uh, think that this country has the durability to last much longer into the future. And watching this documentary, yeah, you, you kind of sense like, it's also a great like microcosm or uh, it captures a moment that was the middle of the pandemic between March of 2022 I think January 2021, and a lot of ha things happened. Of course, we all remember being trapped indoors in those many, many long months. But there was a particular moment where he says here that it really did feel to a point that there was about to be a second civil war because of just how much anger was out there and how much was erupting. And I, I, I thought it was a captivating watch. I thought it was one of the funniest things I've seen all year, and then also one of the most depressing things I've seen all year in one. So I would say it's a must watch. Peter? Um, I have recommended Andrew Callahan to you many, many times. As he states in the documentary, he has a YouTube channel called Channel 5, of which I have shared many of his videos on the... Uh, on the group chat julio as well so um your point being you know what my point is <laughs> he's brilliant he's one of the best journalists working out there today and i think this film is a fantastic encapsulation as to why he loves to go to some of the most craziest places in america and simply put a mic in people's face and just let them go. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't question them. He doesn't fight with them. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't do anything. He's just, <clears throat> and, and I think that's why he's able, because you saw he got some amazing interviews. Some of the best interviews that. I've seen, yeah. And, and, and these like, people like some high profile. People. Yeah. High profile people who are quite known for being very um, adversarial toward mm -hmm. reporters and journalists in general. Yes. Um, like he is one of the few people that's still able to, I feel, do that kind of journalism and do that kind of stuff. He got interviews um, with like the, the like, I guess the, the head proud boy he got interviews with alex jo he had amazing footage of alex jones a, lo a lot of content from him yeah um for me this is he's honestly i think it's one of the best films of the year yeah. 
it is incredible it is entertaining <laughs> from beginning to end mm -hmm. but it's also just an an amazing encapsulation of this moment in time and just it's it's very interesting just looking at the dominoes yeah. right even if you know how they fall um yeah. I want to play just a couple of sound bites just to, because people, I think, uh, documentaries are a bit of a harder sell for people, especially political ones. So I want to, you know, entice people who are listening to go mm. see this and play some clips that I thought were just, oh my God. How do I reach my students? And he said, we can't rap for that. I found myself breathing in the Holy Ghost, where I boast in the Lord and his holy pleasure. That's, I, that's an incredible rap. <laughs> um, <clears throat> This, I don't even know what, where this came from, but. I don't even know where that came from. Like, where... He got very angry about the soda. <laughs> oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> there was, there was this one person that was um, saying now he knows what it feels like to be a Jew in the Holocaust. Leading up to the because Holocaust. Because he wears a, a MAGA hat. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, and there's some twists and turns in there. <laughs> uh, yeah, too many. If, well, here's Alex Jones. Information war. Info war. Info war. Not physical war. Info war. No, when I'm being an actor, it's very, very clear. I eat babies. I eat them every night. I eat a human barbecue sauce. And I flew to the moon last night with a witch. And I took TMT with Easter bunnies. Now, now that's an example of being crazy. I mean, this is art. <laughs> it's art it hilariously reminds me of um what's his name judd hirsch and the fablemans where he was like saying um i guess sammy was questioning sticking your head in the lion is art no that was balls making sure the <laughs> lion doesn't eat me that's art and this is i don't know if he does this a lot but this is the first time i've seen alex jones admit he's an actor like he basically just admitted, like right there, like, oh yeah, I'm just using these people. How do you, how do you look at that and not realize he's just openly admitting that he's just a freaking con artist? Well, basically all of them. Admit yes, it. even the Proud Boy guy. Yeah, Enrique Torrio, who was a um, diversity hire to rebrand their image. <laughs> That's right. No, this 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 is incredible. It really is. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things, though, that I, I thought was quite powerful is in terms of how it ended, because we wrap back around to a particular Southern family who drank the Kool Aid, and then after January sixth, they they're reassessing, they're reevaluating a lot of certain things, and one of the um, characters if you want to call it that is is a small child who is just now spelling it out really like there was saying that there was there was no point to them being used it it just mm -hmm. is what it is and it it kind of makes you like i don't know think for a moment that maybe these people aren't too far gone maybe some of them can be brought back if they see enough well, it reminds you that they're people, yeah, right. For as much as a cartoon characters they come off of, they and they do, they very much do. They're people, and there's reasons why they get sucked into this, right? 
like i think they even he says like the dad says like why wasn't um political before the year 2016 mm-hmm. and then it's um i do everyone should go see it it's very very interesting yeah they it's also incredible. um i don't know what it is about conservatives but like it's just pretty blatant to me how they, and they don't even see it themselves but like they're, they're just being used to buy merch the merch and the oh money God. being made yeah. off the merch is ridiculous trump made 25 million dollars off selling hats i think that's one of the the largest highlights of um the whole documentary is how the biggest figures in, in the like far right um incitement were all just making bank and within the documentary they're all pretty open about it like yeah like i'm about making the money and this makes me money from alex jones to enrique torrio to even that rapper um where he says like i like trump because he's a hustler and he's like and that's <laughs> and he's basically saying like that's what i'm doing I'm hustling. It's um you almost like when you're when you're watching these moments, you have to think for yourself, do they not realize what they're saying? Does it not occur to no. them? I don't think it does. I don't think it does. I, I, and oftentimes people, especially these kinds of people, don't realize when they give away everything, right? Like they they'll just very casually and calmly drop some huge information on you and you're like whoa like this kind of says a lot about you <laughs> but it doesn't cross their mind no yeah anyway go watch it man go watch it everybody it's amazing and thank you peter for a tremendous recommendation one other thing i want to say here um on some of the other films that i've seen there is a 30 minute short movie called the boy the mole the fox and um the horse and it is one of the films that appeared on the short list um for best animated short film uh, that the Oscar released. Um, and it's uh, streaming on Apple TV+. Plus. Um, and if mm. you can't, there are other ways to see it, as we all know. Anyway, this was such a beautiful movie. Uh, it's a short film. It's very like surface level and straight to the point. But in a way, it also isn't. There's a lot of um, particular lines here that are quite moving and quite powerful um in a way that i think almost like del toro's pinocchio was there's some mm. similarities there but um i i i this is something that i would think um even disney hasn't been able to accomplish with animation thus far and they've done a lot of films that i think speak to some of the, the themes and the messages here but overall, it's like this boy that's just lost and he finds unlikely companions in the name of a fox, a horse, and a mole. And the entire thing is just him like not it's it's an allegory for being lost in life, um, and what he can do, you know, as growing up. And I would I would stress this for anybody that's listening, it's a must watch. Because aside from all of the, the deeper meaning and everything, the animation is quite beautiful as well. It's hand-drawn um, and 2D, so there's that. And of course, we can't get enough of that these days. Um, also, other short films I've seen, animated short films, I've saw all of the... Um, this is... They're, they're technically films because they were like apart. They're like 25 to 30 minute short movies. 
but the I think they're called the Wonderful World of Mickey Mouse. But there's four of them that mm. came out last year. It was for there were specials for spring, summer, fall, and autumn. No, autumn and winter, and they were outstanding. I had not seen any of the new like Mickey Mouse shorts like ever, and so when I watched these, it was there were wow. I can see I why these are really popular. They're really good. I didn't know they made new shorts. Well, the Wonderful World of Mickey Mouse is like I guess a series of them, and then these were just like part of that, but they were individual. They're they're on Disney Plus. If you go see them, mm. they're really good. They're really really good. And I was like, wow, I would have loved to have had these when I was you know of the age to primarily enjoy them. But they're so good. I would start off with the summer one was hilarious. They were all hilarious. I'll be honest with you. But like they um. And the reason I was kind of turned on to them was because I saw that Mickey Mouse documentary on Disney Plus that had mentioned that they had brought back new Mickey Mouse cartoons. I didn't know about this. Um, I knew it to an extent, but not really. And so this is my, my first foray into that, and they were well worth the watch. I recommend them all. I saw the Encanto movie at the Hollywood Bowl. Um, the It's a concert movie. It's the music of Encanto. It's the actual cast performing it live. And let's just say... They actually did We Don't Talk About Bruno, right? Whereas the Oscars completely fucked that up. I can't believe how you messed that up. <laughs> I saw Nolan Baumbach's latest film, White Noise, on Netflix with Adam Driver and with Greta Gerwig. Oh, yeah. I saw that was on there, yeah. And it is quite strange. <laughs> um, quite strange in that I'm not entirely sure if it works. I don't think it does. I think a lot of it <laughs> does, and some of it just kind of like... I feel like... It starts off so strong for me, and I'm so interested in all of it, and then it gets to a certain point, I want to say, like a quarter, like three quarters into the movie, and then it kept, it keeps going, going, and going, and I just, it lost me to the point where I think it got to the, the closing credits, and I'm like, wow, I, I, I don't care anymore about any of this, which was quite disappointing, because it started off so strong, and then just went, like, we'll see how you feel about it, but it's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I also saw, and this is quite surprising. One of the best movies of the year, bar none, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Why is that a surprise? Because no one, I don't think anybody, any of us really thought, like, first of all, now- Us Puss in Boots heads (laughs) were hyping this film up for months, okay? I remember enjoying Puss in Boots from 2011, yeah, all those years ago, but I don't remember the movie at all. It, it, it wasn't memorable to be... I mean, it wasn't bad, but it just wasn't memorable. And on the whole, I don't even remember the last DreamWorks film I even enjoyed. And maybe it was How to Train Your Dragon 3, but like the last... Like this is not only one of the best DreamWorks animation films ever. Uh, this was really just surprising all the way up and down. You could definitely see the influence of Into the Spider-Verse. We're living in a, in a post-Into the Spider-Verse world, and they really were tremendously influenced by that film, not just in terms of its visualistic style, which was, I think, a, an added you know benefit of the film overall, not just in terms of how wonderfully directed the action sequences were, but in, in terms of how the story was constructed um, with themes and arcs that, not just work, but are actually quite profound. It's just, it's unbelievably surprising how great this movie is all the way around. And Antonio Ben- You saw it at a movie theater, right? I did, yeah. Okay. No, yeah, because you need to see it in a movie theater to see those- um, I, I Yeah, I, I'd love to see it with you boots. again uh, <laughs> if, you, if you're down to it, because it was actually mm-hmm. really, really, really good. Uh, Antonio Banderas is, is 
probably his best performance in this character. In the performance of a lifetime. Yes. Um, <laughs> he's voiced this character several times, and I think this is the best he's done. Um, and there's actually a villain in this movie that's actually quite terrifying. In comparison, I want to stress, to the lame-ass villains we've had in animated films these last few years. And I will say, like, um, talking about shitty years, animation has suffered greatly mm -hmm. this past year. It's like, I don't know what's happening to Cartoon Network. It's kind of fallen apart. They've they've got they've destroyed their entire animation division at HBO Max. Yeah. So did Netflix. Mm -hmm. Like so much shit is just scrapped or being even the stuff right that's now. going to Disney Plus. There's still like this layer of uncertainty around the Marvel animation stuff that was announced. Where is that? That's just so insane to me because I feel like now more than ever, people love animation. Yes, people love mm -hmm. animated show. Like I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it, it was just bad to see it, but we had a lot of great stuff at animation up, but Puss in Boots definitely must watch. I also saw this small movie that I had heard of in the summer. It comes to us by Anthony um, Fabian, who directed films that I'd never heard of before, <laughs> so there was that. But it starred Leslie Manville. Leslie Manville played, I believe, Cyril, who um, was Daniel Day-Lewis's sister in the movie Phantom Thread by Paul Thomas mm. Anderson. And Leslie Manville also is currently playing Princess Margaret on The Crown. Um, this is undoubtedly one of the... Uh, I think one article called this like peak mom cinema. Like we, ha oh, no. we had dad cinema for like Top Gun yeah. Maverick, right? This is the opposite of that. This is... But this is so good. Like from the moment this movie begins to the moment the movie ends it is just endlessly sweet charming and it just like embraces you this character is it's one of those films where she's just like the definition of a compassionate human being and she just changes the lives of everybody she encounters because of her decency and kindness and i don't know how i could not possibly have loved that movie which i did a lot. Are there any uh, shootouts? No. No, mm. they're not. But it has a wonderful cast, including... Pass. <laughs> including French actress Isabelle Huppert. Um, even Lambert Wilson, who is, I think, mainly known for his appearances in the Matrix movies as the... Um, what's the character's name again? He plays um, the French guy. Oh... Uh... I don't know, something like the the architect? Not the architect. He plays um he's he's uh oh, the Merovingian. Oh, the Merovingian. Yes, yeah, he's yeah, also yeah. in here as well as um Jason Isaacs, mm. who's really good in everything he's in. So, this is uh I'm sure you'd watch this movie and you'd be like this is good. And you probably wouldn't care much about it, but it's 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 genuinely like one of the most like comfort like mo food movies ever made and mm. if it were up to me i'd give this movie all the awards uh, i'm not crazy about the french i don't know well it's the english and the french that's you're not <laughs> are you trying to sell it or like destroy well it it's me? up to you it's currently on our voot i bought the movie so it's there oh it, it's there so if you want to see it it's it, it's um in a word this film is delightful 
it's hard for any I, I would think if you walk away from this movie and you hate it I, i'd question your humanity next um <laughs> probably the best michael bay movie i've ever seen in my life ambulance um ambulance ambulance which is currently streaming on, on amazon prime this stars jake gyllenhaal and i believe yaya oh, abdul Mutum the tina second i have no idea why but i keep thinking that it's a netflix film uh, yeah i mean patrick williams released this video recently where he was comparing it to netflix films of this kind like the gray man um Okay, maybe that it just seems like a Netflix. Yeah, it seems like a movie Netflix would make at this point in time. I don't know. Well, it was released in theaters and it didn't do well. Okay, and yeah. then it's now currently streaming on, on Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. uh, it is invigorating in ways I I don't think I've ever experienced with a Michael Bay movie. It's it's classic Michael Bay because Michael Bay can be a lot of fun mm -hmm. when he's not dealing with like Transformers, right? <laughs> What a what a waste of a decade with Transformers like, movies. Yeah, God, he made five of them, right? Yes. <gasps> five. He could have been making so much other more fun shit. It's like but, Michael um, Bay stopped himself. This is my avatar. Uh, oof, yeah. But he doesn't even give a shit about Transformers. <laughs> this is so funny. But like, I'm, you know, he has like uh, Armageddon, you know, shit like that. I even like... um pain and gain i think that's the last time i was really impressed with dwayne johnson yes people say that it was one of his better performances in that movie pain and gain it is he's actually really great in pain and gain um but that's the last time that i was like oh like this is he's one of those directors that can be great if it fits the film mm -hmm. right and it sounds like ambulances like it is it, it fits his, well what's this movie it's the, these two brothers rob a bank and they also hijack an ambulance and the whole film is just a an extravagant car chase i just remember that the la and ambulance was like and it's like oh they're in la yep okay yeah i was like you genius you no i would consider this a must watch because it's just so much fun mm -hmm. it is so much fun um next and now we get to some films that I didn't care for. Real quick. Mm, she said. Which I shared clips uh, from the movie. I'm not I'm not watching that movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. You've seen I know what it is. Yeah. I don't I don't care. <laughs> um yeah, that's up to you, man. I but that would be my recommendation as well. I quite frankly didn't get it. Like, I don't know what it is. These kind of films usually do it for me mm. this didn't have it and i don't know if it's maybe it's because the weinstein stuff is too recent it just feels like a waste of time but that feels a bit rude to say because it's like it's really important stuff and people yeah. should like you know know about this so I, I i can't place to you what 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 about it didn't work for me but like this is usually one of my least favorite movies of the year that's what. That's why. Like, it kind of feels fucked up to like say like I don't. I don't even want to watch. But it's like it's a movie. At the end of the day, it's a movie. Yeah. And yeah, I, I just from watching it, it's like I know what this is. Yeah. And I know I'm just not gonna care that much. But I'll I'll finish it, and I'm like, yeah, that was a film. And it's like it's one of those movies where it's like maybe if I was stuck on a plane, and 
of all the choices, it's the only one I haven't seen yet on the little plane TV. Uh huh. And it's like I got a couple hours to kill. I guess I'll watch. Yeah. <laughs> that's. I think that's the only way I can imagine myself seeing it. But yeah, life's too short. <laughs> Sorry. Limer- similarly to that, um, Sarah Polly's Women Talking uh, is one of the more acclaimed movies of the year, and has been a film that has you know been listed mm-hmm. on not just several like end of the year lists as some of the best movies of the year, but has also been nominated for awards. This film is about a group of women in an isolated religious colony struggle to reconcile their faith with a string of sexual assaults committed by the colony's men. Um, this one seemed a little bit more interesting to me. It, 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 I'll say this. It was more interesting than she said. No doubt. I, I just don't necessarily feel like it is at the end of the day there were interesting conversations and then the decision is made and then the movie ends and i'm like was that really it when it ended i'm like what there's nothing left to chew on with this movie once it's over Mm. it's over and it's like well like you said that was a movie i guess yeah. I, I, it it kind of sounds bad like the two most acclaimed movies the sexual assault movies and it's like we're like eh fuck these films and they have the um, titles she said in women talking I know. but in our defense we championed uh the last night no the last duel the last night still on transformers i never saw transformers the sexual 5. assault in that film was um a choice oh you mean the last the duel la- no, the last night. Well, speaking of, the, the, you know, oh my god, you just pissed me off. You just oh, really pissed me oh off because, oh, like, no. not because of what anything you were saying, but like, you're right though. It's like all of a sudden, and you know, and they're not doing that well, but they're being included in some lists here and there. She said, "Women talking." I'm sorry, but like the premium Me Too movie came out last year called The Last Duel with Jodie Comer, Adam Driver, Matt Damon, and Ben Affleck. And that was nowhere to be seen. That movie was ignored. And I haven't seen the other two, but I feel like that's the only one that ended with the rapist being brutally mutilated. Um, It did. It did. So, yeah. There you go. That, we are the real feminists. That film is genuinely great. <laughs> and I I guess the only difference between the, uh, the three movies is that The Last Duel, which is the best one. And I, I hope people don't interpret this as me saying that men are better directors than women. But Ridley Scott directed that movie. And he's the only guy. And then the other two mm-hmm. were Sarah Pauly and I forget the other one. But uh, that I that's exactly what you're putting down I think actually I don't mean for I'm putting it down because I feel people are gonna go that as they a would line take of that away yeah <laughs> well so. I guess like for she said it's like okay I mean I lived through it if there's like genuinely interesting stuff behind the scenes that happened then it's like okay well there's a story but I know it's that not there really isn't. that interesting though it's it, not. It, it's like it's just it's really and I this is gonna come off as like really bad but saying it's like a poor man's spotlight. Yeah, no, but like, because Spotlight's genuinely great. Mm-hmm. But I, I can already tell you what it is. People are like, oh, you know, I've heard rumblings about this producer. Oh my gosh, yeah. yeah I, we just, uh, we got a a, 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 a tip on this story about 
you know, she's willing to talk and, and, you know, they're making all these phone calls and then they're going and then they show a screen of a, of a TV and the newscaster is like the me too movement, which has begun. Da, 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 da. And it's like, okay, I, I, I know all this and I know how it ends. He's in prison right now. Like, I don't know. It's just whatever. Like women talking was at least more interesting to me. Cause it's like, okay, there's an original story. Mm-hmm. Is, is it original? It might, I, it, it might not be, but it's I a story it I've never heard of. And it's like this remote village. And I'm like, okay, there might be some more going on. But if it's literally just like how it sounds, I don't know. I was, I didn't have that much interest in it to begin with. Mm-hmm. But like, uh... Yeah, that's that. Um, this next film I was terribly disappointed by because I think David Harbour deserves the world. I think he's great in anything he's in. And I feel like casting him as a Santa Claus is like brilliant. <gasps> You didn't like it. Did you see it? No, but I've heard good things. Here's the thing. I feel like I was misled about what this movie was. Oh, what? Because in my mind, mm-hmm. at least, and also in what I read about this movie, is that what this was supposed to be was an all-out slasher, where David Harbour's Santa like, oh, no. goes insane w- and like kills people. No, 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 no. Uh, maybe you're getting it confused with another Silent Night, Deadly Night, but that's an old slasher mm. from back in the day. This was like John Wick meets Santa Claus. I don't particularly like John Wick. I, yeah, I, I, yeah, maybe yeah, that's yeah. what's like keeping it mm-hmm. down for me. But like this just felt um, even I mean, th- the reasons I don't like John Wick are different than why I didn't like this. Ultimately, I just felt like it um, amounted to nothing. Mm. And okay. it was rather like it was aiming for that, but it just kept missing the bar. The action sequences were nowhere near as interesting as even John Wick's would be. And it just was pretty mediocre mm. in every way. That was that one hurt to see. That hurts. I'm still going to watch it. but uh, No, yeah, of course. We'll I, I don't mean to. You watch what you want, but I'm just like giving you what I felt about it. Just, mm-hmm. and here's one where I think we we felt differently. And I, I saw Bullet Train and I felt nothing. Oh, okay, I really enjoy. It. Okay, I'm definitely watching uh, Violent Night now. <laughs> Violent Night. <laughs> no, um, Bullet Train's better than Violent Night, though. I, mm-hmm. I would say it is. I, I don't know it was about bullet train but it just kind of like tested my patience and i got annoyed of it and it just i i got what it was going for to me the funniest thing is about that film were the cameos like the the, San, yeah, the sandra bullock i'm just gonna spoil it the sandra bullock and the channing tatum cameos are hilarious mm-hmm. of course they were both in it's funny because they were both in a different movie that this last year with brad pitt so i wonder yeah. if like they took the time that's why they did it yeah. they um yeah it was a favor for a favor type thing. Basically. And we all, I, I'm never going to forget Brad Pitt's amazing cameo in The Lost City. Cause yeah, no, that was good. That was, he deserves an award for best cameo <laughs> of last year, easily. Um, And watch, they give it to Luke Skywalker. No, they're not doing that. That's not, that's not an actual thing, but if it was, let's face it, that's how they would give it to Give it a few years. Uh, I, I don't know. They'll also add both best post credit scene. I, I I was disappointed because I hear I don't know maybe it was a me thing but like I heard a lot of people like really enjoy this movie. I had a lot of fun with it. I don't. I like the cheesy action stuff. 
And I know that's not up your alley. Very much not so, I would say. When you say cheesy action, what movies come to mind as examples of I'm that? I'm thinking just like like B-movie 80s action mm, okay. type stuff, right? Where it's like, I, I think it's kind of similar to like the the monster movies, like Godzilla. Ah, okay. Where it's like, I like either you're into it or you're not. You, you, either you got a thing for seeing two giant uh, monsters. Mm-hmm run into each other or you're like eh whatever. i feel like and i mean i'm that ahead. way with some types of genres sure of yeah like so i maybe it does come to a genre uh difference in taste here but i i i i felt like it was aiming to be very comedic as a lot mm-hmm. of david lynch's uh david not lynch david leach's movies are and I just felt the script in that department was rather weak. It, 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 there wasn't very... See, as far as comedy is concerned. Yeah. I felt that in the beginning. Um, but, and I was a little bit like, oh, I get it. You know, it, t- trying too hard to be cute uh-huh. kind of thing. Uh, but halfway through, I think it started clicking for me. Okay. And then like previous stuff started clicking. Um, like, I, for instance, I thought it was very funny that when bad bunny shows up there's like this whole sequence that sets up his backstory uh-huh. like a flashback and then he dies a minute later yeah like to me that's that's like it's not an explicit joke but i'm like oh like ridiculous kind of stuff um, i mean brad pitt's never gonna fail to charm and enter- entertain me he's he's good in everything charm. yeah and yeah i don't know um well, I came in not expecting much of anything. Yeah, I guess also yeah, that's the difference. I was like, oh yeah, like I actually really enjoyed this. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not for me. It's not winning any award. It's not top ten or anything like that. Yeah. But I was like, ooh, it's nice. I don't know. And also, it's just like a lot of fun actors doing fun shit. I guess like, just I like, maybe um, not only with the word of mouth, but I just I maybe expected better considering that I'm one of the few people that really adore Deadpool too. And, oh, that's right, you are. In comparison to Deadpool 2, there was just a significant drop-off, and it just leads me to wonder, like, well, maybe it was Ryan that was, like, the primary engine that was guiding, which we all kind of knew already, that was guiding that film. I mean, Deadpool 2 is a masterpiece in every way of, every sense of the word. Like, I like Deadpool 2, but goddamn. Well, it's hilarious. It's funny enough. I don't know. <laughs> like. Would you prefer the I think you prefer the second to the original, do you? Um I actually don't know. I actually like think there's a lot of clever stuff with the original, especially based on the budget. It's been a while since I've seen either of the movies. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while. Let's be real about by that. By the way, yeah. that cameo by um Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. It's great. Because the whole movie feels like a Ryan Reynolds movie. It does, yeah. Um so it like this idea of like it was supposed to be. Him, you got a yeah. tummy ache. I don't know. It's fun. See, there's no. little things like that that kind of would work for me. And I do really like, um, and they were probably annoying to you, but I really like them. Because uh, I really like them as actors. Uh, the two brother hitmen. Oh, you mean Aaron Taylor Johnson and, uh, is it Brian Tyler Henry? or Tyler? Yeah, Brian Tyler. Yeah. yeah. No, I actually enjoyed them. They, were, like, they worked I, for me, yeah. To me, this is like that was like the best Aaron Taylor Johnson. It's I think like the most yeah. charming. And yeah, stuff. absolutely. Okay. I, I I can see that there. Um, 
So there's that. Next, mm-hmm. I saw Triangle of Sadness. I don't know if you heard about this movie here. That's like in everyone's top tippy top. Yes, and I can see why. It won't be in mine, not anywhere close. I'm just putting it out there right now. Damn. No, and but it, it was... So I'll just, I'll, I'll just put this description out there for the movie. Uh, models Carl and Yaya are invited for a luxury cruise with a rogues gallery of super rich passengers. At first, all appears Instagrammable. That's a great little word in there. But the cruise ends catastrophically. And the group find themselves marooned on a desert island. So this is basically, um, I I have a feeling though, this might very well sneak into your top 10 because it's, it's very much a you film. Um, but I feel like I'm making, I'm making it out to seem as if I didn't enjoy it. I don't know what it is about it. Um, this is just not going to be one of those that, and it hasn't almost a week later that hasn't really stuck with me. But, um, of course the commentary, uh, that it has to say the humor in its execution, is very anti-rich of course. Um, and the performance is definitely, this is a much more interesting film than I'm making it out to seem like, but, um, them's the breaks. Anywho, uh, I want to say that was, um, Oh, did you see Bardo? Yeah. Did you finish it? Yeah. What are your thoughts on that before we move on to the next uh, few movies? Um, I get what everyone is saying about this film. <laughs> yeah. It's a beautiful film, and it's a beautiful self-exploration of, a, of an artist, mm-hmm. right? Especially in a certain point of time. Um, But like I said to you before, I couldn't help but... <laughs> agree with a lot of the like negative thoughts he felt about himself mm-hmm. or that people said about him yeah like and a lot of it was just kind of like shut the fuck up like <laughs> oh no i'm a successful artist in both mexico and the united states but what am i doing is truly art shut the fuck up <laughs> But it's a. I also. But it's also like a beautifully put together movie. I, mm-hmm. I love the dreamlike, um, sort of journey of it all. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it, and on a certain level, sort of this man, sort of like reevaluating himself and who he is uh, through his art. Um, which is really the director. Uh, yeah, doing which the same is thing. actually the director, and yeah, there's there's meta moments, right? Mm-hmm. Where like they're discussing the movie that the artist made, that's called you know the title of the film, and then they're dis- they're literally discussing like the beginning of the film and like critiquing it within the film. Yeah, um, it, you know, it, it becomes like that. Uh, it's a beautifully put together film. Like, oh, yeah. There's some ama- pretty amazing sequences visually, and like I said, I I actually do connect or under or just kind of enjoy the character to a certain extent. I enjoy the way it's put together. It's very entertaining. I feel, um, but I also understand sort of the negative that some people feel, where it's just kind of like a director 
uh, jacking himself off <laughs> in front of the camera a little bit and then feeling shy about it. I don't know. Um, I, I I understand both sides, but like it was an interesting journey, right? And that's what you kind of want for a film, right? And and he's very much, I always say this, like I love a film where the, the director very much lays his soul bare. Mm-hmm. And that's very much what he's doing. Yeah. Right? Um, and I think because of that, I really just, I was very much able to sweat, sweep myself into it. And again, if it, if it wasn't so dreamlike, I think it could come off as greedy. Like, like if they, if it was played more straight. Yeah. Um, but that, that dreamlike quality, I think helps it a lot. Um, Okay. Well, go ahead and get your phone out so you can have these descriptions of the movies. We're going to start off with The Whale, but before, um, while you're getting that out, there was a really interesting panel that was hosted by Chloe Zhao. Uh, it was Chloe Zhao and Alejandro González Inarritu, and it was really interesting back and forth that they had about this movie. She really loved this movie. Um, and her, it was less an interview and more of her like just asking you know, questions about tips and advice and that kind of stuff. So also like seeing like what she herself thought in the movie. It's it's actually an interesting panel because she doesn't come prepare with a list of questions like, you know, like a Perry Namoroff would and like it's very cut and dry. She basically just like throws that in the garbage and just like asks her the questions, asks him the questions that she's most interested in, which I think makes for a far more interesting conversation. So mm-hmm. that, I would I would recommend people to go see that one. I wouldn't. Why? You know why? I, well, no, I do not. But anyway, let's get on to The Whale. Okay, The Whale. Directed by Darren Aronofsky. A reclusive English teacher suffering from severe obesity attempts to reconnect with his estranged teenage daughter for one last chance at redemption. Starring Brendan Fraser. That's all you need, baby. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's also Sadie Sink and Hong Chow and Ty Simpkin, Simpkins, yep, yeah. mm-hmm. and Samantha Morton. Might as well say the whole cast because there's not a lot of fucking people. There really but isn't. Yeah. So the whale, it's one of the most divisive films of the <clears throat> uh, what would you call it Oscar season. It's interesting because um, I am not seeing as many people. I think the loudest voices are the ones that absolutely despise this movie, and yeah, and, the, for sure. and their anger is just through the roof. Whereas yeah. the people who really loved the film are just much more reserved about it, um, or much more quiet. And so I'm really, I'm really curious to see what's the true representation for how much this film is like resonating well it's so funny because the first two reviews on letterboxd are a five star that says it's the fucking renaissance baby let's fucking go (laughs) and then the next review is a half a star that says simple jack or maybe norbit for aronofsky heads oh my god so that's what i'm talking about (laughs) I think what there's there's a lot of things that people well there's a main thing when people are going after this movie and why they hate it so much but I think everyone across the board including you and I can agree on the fact that the performances in this movie are terrific. 
Uh, I think Sadie Sink and Hong Chow are outstanding. And, you know, Brendan Fraser is absolutely deserving of a win for an Academy Award. Um, and it seems to be... Um, and I think, look, it takes... You can tell how much you, uh, the industry now has seem, seemingly taken to Brendan Fraser because he may very well still win for a film that is this divisive. A film... That will not receive many nominations. It will not I give a shit. It will as not receive one and wins one. That's all I care about. Okay, that's that's fair. But I'm just saying that the the lack of nominations for this film elsewhere does not keep because of that. It's not a lock, and the many things yeah, can I go know. wrong for it. But that's just where we're at. I mean, I'd argue Hung Chao would. I wouldn't be mad if she got like no, I wouldn't be either. I wouldn't put her in my list, but I thought she was very good. You're right, yes, Uh, and she has had, I believe she's been appearing in a few lists, but that I think it seems to have dissipated some in the wake of other ones. No, but like no, that's where we're at with this movie. Um, I'm not quite um enthusiastic of this movie overall. I I watched the film and I thought it was good enough and um I I'm I'm kind of really at a loss for what to make of it because I felt like the performances really did carry the film overall and um I understand of course that we're across the board save for one we're we're dealing with some rather odious people on screen and that seemingly dominates most of it and that's just not fun to see obviously um yeah i i I don't have much to say about this it it was uh it was there peter all right let me get in here um maybe it's i was thinking about this maybe it's because i just haven't been able to view films in so long but i'm whereas i've been watching all of them (laughs) Uh, yeah, <laughs> but I've, I i don't know. A lot of the films that people are coming down pretty hard on uh, this year, yeah, including like Babylon, I'm walking around going like, I rather enjoyed that. <laughs> and it's like, I, I actually do absolutely see a lot of the issues that people would have with The Whale. It feels like very, I don't know, like 90s. Sure, because, yeah. Because there's, like, very central discussions on, like, Christianity and homosexuality. And, like, yeah, even the way they handle, like, obese characters. Like, like it feels like a movie at a time. Like, like this would would win uh, Best Picture of, like, 1998 or something like, with like the, that. Like, with the fat jokes that are in this? Um, to be fair, there's not that many. No. no. Um. But yeah, <laughs> it, it it does feel a little bit like out of time in a lot of the way, mm-hmm. um, the central discussion. But I was never bored. No. And no. I was very much engaged all the way through. Yeah. And by the end, I was like, yeah, that was a nice journey, you know? Mm. Um, and again, maybe I just haven't seen that many movies recently mm-hmm. <laughs> that it's just like I'm aching for any kind of film. But it's like, you, I agree. The movie mostly sort of lives and dies on its performances, but all the performances are really good. All of and them it's are. it's like yeah. 90% performance because it's, it's very much stage play 
just these char- these actors acting. Mm-hmm. So like Brendan Fraser is great and I really enjoy him as a character and I agree that I think he brings so much more to the character that maybe isn't on the page. Mm. Um I hope I'm saying her name right, Hung Chao. Yeah. Um I thought she's fantastic. Uh, you know, I, I thought she was really oh, yeah. really good. Um Sadie Sink, what a bitch. Um her character. <laughs> <laughs> that's the one thing where they're a little bit like mm, no i i think i think the mom was right <laughs> i thought it was pretty clear she was right yeah i don't know i don't know about that um but yeah i a lot of people like were very moved and, and found the film to be very you know empathetic and moving and other people found it fake and just like manufactured and i felt both those things right it was weird maybe that's why i feel that way because i like especially anytime hong chow yeah that's i think she really so sold those emotional moments and stuff like Mm -hmm. that so yeah there is a sort of a, a a push and pull for me where like yeah some of it does feel like manufactured and then there's other moments where i'm I'm genuinely feeling it, yeah. And, and I'm in there, and I'm, and it's, it's moving me. Um, but I also think just again the way the film is put together, it's not like it's directed poorly. I think it's directed pretty. There's just not not much, you know. It it's all in one little apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, it ain't the most cinematic because of that yeah. fact, and it's it's the nature of the beast, and I believe also a nature of the pandemic, probably. Yeah, but ultimately, I walked away enjoying it much more than not, I would say. Yeah, I would say with that too. It just, for whatever reason, didn't click, and it's just not been clicking. Mm-hmm. It That's the thing. Parts of it click. Mm, yeah. And then other parts of it are like, uh, <laughs> uh. Mm-hmm. so yeah. But overall, I, I think more clicked with me than didn't because if it's like, if, okay, if just the performances clicked, well, that's a large part of the film. Yeah. So. What have, uh, what have you made of the backlash? Or I guess the discourse the of the movie? Well, like I said, some of it, I think I, I get it, right? Like a lot of people that kind of hate it and they're like, this feels just like a, a, um, a manufactured, like poorly emotional manufactured mm-hmm. bullshit da, 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 da. um i i get it i guess you know again it, it it works more often than it doesn't for me but to certain other people i can definitely see them walk away like i was referring more to the the side conversation happening that's kind of dominated oh, the whole like the fat, the fat phobia, phobia accusations and that again. stuff yeah um shoot you know maybe this makes me look bad but I don't consider it fat phobia when you're at that size, so to speak. Mm. And what I mean by that, like, okay, if you're making fun of someone and being, like, cruel and stuff like that, like, yeah, that's not right and you shouldn't do it. It doesn't matter what size they are, you know, big or small. I don't think you should attack people based on their physical features. I think that's fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um but what I don't think is fucked up is to say that being that size is bad. It's, it's unhealthy. Right? 
That's it's, a scientific it's, term, and that's bad. It, yeah, like I think of your 600 plus pounds and you can barely walk. You know, you can't even wipe your own ass. Like you need people to help you. Pick like, things up, basically. To even you like if you drop something and you can't even pick it up, you need you have trouble breathing. Like medically, that's not good. No. Right? And 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 we should work to fix that. To me, it's no different than like if someone has any other type of addiction. Right. Yeah. Like if someone likes to drink alcohol, cheers, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're drinking so much alcohol that you have you're an alcoholic and you have a severe addiction and it's affecting you negatively health wise. That's bad. And I'm okay with a film depicting that as bad. And I think that's the same with like an eating addiction. Yeah. Like if, if, if you're a little bigger, like, oh, who cares? Right. Whatever. But if you're, um, eating to the point where Where you have morbid obesity, basically, it's severely affecting your health Mm -hmm. and your ability to even walk to the bathroom. That's not a good thing. And like, I'm okay with the film depicting that as not a good thing. I, I guess. And I, I don't know why that's we, we should tiptoe around that, right? Because I, I feel the same thing if you're addicted to alcohol, if you're mm-hmm. addicted to any other types of drugs, right? Negative um, addictions are negative. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what to tell you. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I guess I do sort of understand that a lot of people felt that the film was like cruelly sort of like pointing and and and... Like, they tried to say, like, oh, how fucked up is it that people, you know, point and laugh. And then the film itself is pointing and laughing at um, Brendan uh, Brendan Fraser's character. Um, Maybe. Maybe. I I, I didn't quite get that. I think it was more of, like, just trying to demonstrate um, what this addiction has sort of done to him. I agree. Like, again, like, I think that's that's bad. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't... I, I don't think anyone would look at a film that's about an alcoholic and be like offended that like they're portraying his alcoholism negatively, right? Mm-hmm. So why would we do that with someone with like severe eating dis- like addiction disorder? I don't know. No, I, I think that's a very fair point. And um, some people uh, clearly felt differently about that. Um, yeah. So that's all I have to say. Anything else? No, I think we we covered it. I, I, I uh, yeah. All we right. talk how much we feel about the film. Basically, uh, now we'll have feelings on this Babylon. Dun, 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 dun. I even have that song. Okay, Babylon, directed by. Damien Chazelle. Always make a scene. A tale of outsized ambition and outrageous excess, tracing the rise and fall of multiple characters during an era of unbridled decadence and depravity in early Hollywood. Starring Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Diego Calva, Gene Smart, Flea, uh, and you know, <laughs> Toby Maguire, uh, Babylon. This is another one where I like, I wouldn't even say that views are mixed, you know, views are pretty negative. 
of when it comes to this film? Well, let, let's. It's weird because I feel like when it comes to the critical consensus, I would say mixed. Mixed in that half liked it and half didn't like it. Right. Mm-hmm. If we look at the actual percentage that it has on tomatoes for the uh, the critic side of it. When you look at the the metrics that we have with audiences, audiences did not like this movie at all, right? Like the audience score was it got like a C plus, I think. No, did it? Yeah, something like that. The uh, the cinema score wasn't very good. It was in the C range, and then of course, um, I I don't know how much it was ever going to make, but it didn't. It, it did especially terrible at box office. I think it, it did very terribly at the box. That's the thing. It got a poor um, Rotten Tomatoes average. It got a poor... Um, audience and critics. Audience score. It got a poor uh, audience rating. Yeah. It bombed at the box office. You know, by every metrics that you would examine a film, mm-hmm. it did poorly. The only thing where it didn't do poorly... Now, this might change going forward because this came before it, it actually opened, but it did exceedingly and surprisingly well when it came to nominations from Golden Globes and Critics' Choice. That's true. That's the I only don't... thing we can say that like it's done well at, but who knows now how that's going to translate going forward because, as we all know, how fickle the Academy is. When they, when they smell a stinker, they kind of run away from it. Stinker. They're cowards. Yeah. A stinker and not that the film is terrible and not that it's just no one saw it. Yeah. Um, Less people saw this movie than they saw Cats in its first three days. That's insane. And no one saw Cats. <laughs> but the idea that some that people saw the trailer for Babylon and then they tra- saw the trailer for Cats <laughs> and they said, yeah, Cats is more of a desirable ex- experience. <laughs> To take part well, you gotta in. factor in that Cats has some kind of built-in fandom, you know? It was the most successful Broadway show of all time. I guess, but still, <laughs> that's insane. Um, Bab- how, well, how did you feel about Babylon? I, this one, and this is, this is a much more interesting conversation because I kind of, I've gone back and you forth You are the official it. negative reviewer between it, the two of us now, so go ahead. Oh, am I? Yeah. Oh, I don't think that's the case. Look back at our last podcast when you're very much uh, attacking somebody rather viciously, and I'm sure that's that's going to come up again in this review. Um, and don't worry, I brought my knives. Um, <laughs> I've this one's interesting because I kind of gone back and forth on because I I feel like when I walked out the movie with you, it was such mm-hmm. such an overwhelming positive experience, and I felt like everything it was doing was like hitting in right and just the right way. And then a few days later, when I saw it with Kyle, there was sort of what I would call a deflating experience where by the time we reached the midway point, you could kind of feel the air being let out of the balloon. And by the time we got to the, to the, the, the last, um, the finale, I think it's called the finale, uh, the, the montage. I was just like the score by um, Justin Hurwitz, which is amazing. No question about that. But maybe to a fault because it got to a point where it was so 
penetrative to the point of invasion where it's like, okay, you know what? I, I, I think I'm about, I'm about ready for this score to just like get the fuck away from me. I'm ready for this to end. And then as it like had its final conclusion, there was just this feeling of just sheer obnoxiousness left in me that really just kind of soured the movie as a whole. So those are two very different experiences. And I was quite shocked to feel that way because that's just, that's just not usually how I am. When I go see a movie and I liked it the first time and I go see it a second time, my expectation is I will enjoy it that much better. And something about this, maybe it was Kyle. <laughs> I think the haters got to you. Maybe it was Kyle. Um, but like I could feel him. Like it's palpable when, when you you can tell when Kyle's not into a movie. You, I, and he was like, "Why? Why isn't he getting this?" Because I think the the first um, hour and a half is sensational, but and then it kind of kept going and going. Um, that Tobey Maguire sequence that second time really annoyed me because it just kind of it kept going and going and going. I look, you are. You let the fake news media determine your opinion. Incidentally, <laughs> incidentally, I have discovered, and I think you fit into this box as well. I have discovered somewhat of a interesting correlation. One in which I'm sure once I, I explain to you what that correlation would be, you would describe as, well, we're the ones in the right pile and I'm the ones in the wrong pile. I'm just putting that out there now because that's the first thing you'd say. First and last thing you'd say. The interesting correlation, much to my annoyance, of course, is the exact same people who did not care for Fableman's Love Babylon. Yeah. The, the, okay. Are you going to say what I just said you were going to say? <laughs> yes. Wait, okay. Well, you what, were gonna gonna say? Say? what do you mean, what, what were you going to say? I just say? said... Right now, a few seconds ago, what were you going to say? And I just saw your face. You were about to jump into that right now. So, Well, now I'm saying nothing. <laughs> I just That's just an interesting correlation that I found. And I don't think I belong to either of those pods. Because like, I don't think I'm one of the people that's throwing away this movie completely. Because I think I love so much of the movie. Like, first of all... There were a lot of people that were saying that Margot Robbie was terrible. No, she wasn't. She was amazing in this movie. I think her character is a loathsome presence. And I think by the, for me personally, when it came to the very last hour of the movie, I didn't care for her in the least as much as I cared about her in the beginning. But maybe I was just, it got to, a, I don't know what it is, but it got to a point by that last hour where everybody was just annoying me. I don't know what happened. Sounds like a you problem. I don't know. May have been a you me problem. Who knows there? But like, uh, you know, Diego Calva's great. Brad Pitt is always great. The the sheer scale of it is fantastic. Um, and of it's course, it's an epic. Yes, absolutely. And the um, it's an epic because it has sheer spectacle. And the re the re uh, what's the word here? Just um. All of the sequences that have to do with actually filming something, I think make the movie tenfold as far as watchability is concerned. Um, and I think part of the humor was 
as one reviewer said, although I think he meant it in a very negative way, though, I think part of uh, the DNA of this film is the defecation, the urination, the regurgitation, the fornication. Um, All of that definitely is imbued in it. And at the end of the day, I really do feel like I don't know what to make of this movie (laughs) because so much I enjoyed and maybe I need to go see it again, but it's like, I want to be fully transparent with you. All of the negative criticisms of this movie didn't really phase me. It, It didn't get to me at all. But then when I watched it a second time and then I got to you, something was different and it didn't click. And I was unbelievably annoyed by that score the score is fantastic no i i did you not hear what i said it was amazing Uh but maybe too much to a point where i'm like okay i'm ready to be (laughs) done with this and i i i I got very much what chazelle was going for in that finale Uh it's very like it's very much going for it. Um, but that mixed with the music. You used to appreciate when films went for it. Hey, I always do. You I, changed. I think <laughs> all I can do is really kind of like articulate to you what my experiences were while watching the movie. And then we can kind of pick it apart for why it is that we would feel the way that we do. But... For my second viewing experience, it I was irritated <laughs> in in that moment. And the thing that I was most put off by was like Margot Robbie's uh Nellie LaRose character. Where I was like, okay, you know what? I'm 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 done with you. Anywho, uh while you are most assuredly about to paint me as um, rather negative, I, I do want to make it known that I still do not quite know what to make of this movie, and I want to see it again because it just isn't it this this doesn't happen to me where I have very two different experiences with like first to second viewings. And so a lot of it I still like. But I did notice that the stuff that I did like the first time around a lot, did I didn't like as much as I did the second time around while still liking it. So all I can do is account for the experiences I've had, and that's what this is. So I'm now going to turn it over to Peter, who will probably um, tear me apart. Okay. Well, um, you're a sellout. You're a, you're a follower easily manipulated by the fake the fake news lamestream media into uh believing whatever narrative they want to put in I want to make it clear I was not affected by any narrative I read a bunch of negative criticism it did not really gauge or sway me what swayed me was watching the movie again and it not playing as well as it did the first time, which I'm sure is an experience most, if not all of us have had with several other movies. Yeah. Um, I said what I said and it's on the record. And it was false. There's that. I mean, no. So it's there. It's on the record. It's forevermore the truth. 
Uh, <laughs> I really, I don't know if anyone can tell, but I kind of liked this movie. Kind of? <laughs> I really liked it. I I think it's very entertaining. I think it's very enjoyable. It's an old Hollywood epic with uh, elephant diarrhea <laughs> and pissing and uh, projectile vomit and amazingly executed scenes and sequences with again just fun characters even like tiny side characters are so much fun and i think it's it's so well put together um i don't understand a lot of the negativity yes the second half drops a little bit in intensity Mm -hmm. it's a three-hour fucking film i don't know what to tell you it's It's three hours and eight minutes right i i don't even know um, but showing you the demise of uh, everybody, well, everyone, but also that time in Hollywood and the rise of the talkies, yes, and, da, 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 and all of that shit. I don't know. I, I think it's beautiful. I think the score is great. I think the um, performances are fantastic. I think it's beautifully directed. I'm in. I was thoroughly entertained throughout the entire thing. Um, I don't know. It was an old-fashioned Hollywood epic about how shit Hollywood is. Featuring um, a lot of shit. Featuring a lot of shit. I I don't know. That um it's 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 a movie that swung for the fences. It swung for every friends at the same <laughs> time. And I just love films that do that. I I can't stress that enough. And it, I don't. It just worked for me. And, and a lot of people will will talk about the ways in which it doesn't work. And I don't. I guess maybe I can see some of it, but not really. It's especially, yeah, no. I, I, it, it's very hard. I've read some negativity, and to me, it's kind of similar to like the whale, where they're like, it's all garbage, it's all trash, um, throw it away, and you know, just like very negative. Um, but again, yeah, I don't know. There's just stuff that I just don't agree with. Like, oh, oh, she gave a, a terrible performance. Um, what's her name? Margot Who's Robbie. saying that? I've seen people say that. Like, oh yeah, her trash performance. And I'm like, what? Trash performance? I think people just have it in for her. I think to a certain extent, yeah. She's the darling of Hollywood, right? Like... I I mean they can try, but that Barbie movie is gonna that Barbie movie is gonna be amazing. Yeah. So can you believe we actually just said those words out loud? <laughs> <laughs> I've been pro Barbie from the beginning. Okay, from the first leaked photos of the uh, of the filming of the film. But no, I just, I loved it. I don't know. I I went down. I sat like. When those, I, a lot of people were like, talked about how they wanted to walk out when the Babylon uh, title screen finally f- popped up, like <laughs> 40 minutes in. And for Only me, I'm 40 like, minutes? <laughs> and for me, I'm like, hell yeah. So I don't know. I just seem to have had a very different experience than a lot of other Didn't people. Drive My Car had their opening credits 40 minutes in? Yes, but. Uh, to a lot of people, I don't know. That's a good film. I mean, Drive My Car was also three hours long. Yeah, but Drive My Car, like by the time 
that title sequence hits, it becomes like an entirely different film. That's true. Like it really does. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Performances I think are undoubtedly great, and I think some of the the sequences for me were uh, my favorite sequences in the movie are when they are making um uh, that outdoor movie, that war movie. I think where Brad Pitt is playing I, I don't know the soldier, I guess, and then he kisses the girl, and that that whole sequence where Diego Calva has to go get the camera and then film it. That was amazing. But perhaps the best scene was. Um, them filming their first talkie. That was just frenetic and the best. One of the best scenes the tension, in any movie. Yes. Like, it was great. It was. It was pretty great. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see how this movie performs going forward. Um, and I would wager perhaps um, the Academy being uh, who, who they are, they probably would they could just ignore this film completely. Nominations do not get announced until the end um, of the month. I think if it got better reviews or did better financially. Did better could, anywhere. Yeah, I could see it getting like quite a few nominations. Just because it has people that the um the Academy loves to reward for existing. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. <laughs> like Damien Chazelle and Margot Robbie and, Brad, and Pitt. Brad Pitt. And like the whole even the movie itself to a certain extent. Like old Hollywood, you know, music, baby, the whole thing. In any other year, this would be a shoe in for many nominations, I would think. Maybe, yeah. But um it, it just seemed to not click with people. And I don't get it well that was Babylon shall we go ahead and move on to Ryan Johnson's second who done it yes glass onion directed by Ryan Johnson what does it say World-famous detective Benoit Blanc heads to Greece to peel back the layers of a mystery surrounding a tech billionaire and his eclectic crew of friends. Starring. Deep breath. Daniel Craig, Edward Norton, Dave Bautista, Janelle Monet, Kate Hudson, Catherine Hahn, Madeline Klein, Leslie Odom Jr., and Jessica Henwick. So, you uh, notoriously didn't care much for Knives Out. Okay, now we've reached the point in the podcast where Peter is just lying. He obviously feels bitter about the idea that I did not give Babylon a positive review overwhelmingly, so now he's just going to flat out lie. Because, as anybody can tell you, um, Knives Out has been a favorite of all of ours for the last few years. And all of us were really looking forward to this movie that you love the first knives out place it right here in the podcast you can just go to the podcast we did and back if you in don't, 2019 that shows you don't. no no it's on the feed and obviously this is a stupid <laughs> conversation to have anyway go ahead um like i said it's um do you feel any differently about the sequel now uh glass on you i'm not playing this talking point here so just move on I'm asking you how you feel about the film as opposed to what I would what what you think I would feel what I don't know what you were saying 
So you liked the film. So obviously, for many years now, all of us have had, um, shall we say, a spiritual kinship with Mr. Ryan Johnson in his movies that he's made. Um, there's one of which has been mentioned, oh, so many times now for five years. Um, only the most successful film of that year and the most successful film of the following year on physical media, you know, but one of that has been like, um, given a rather unfair reputation. So there is that. But of course, when knives out came out, we all thought it was rather revelatory and rather amazing. And, um, we even did an audio commentary on that film, which you can listen to, um, on our feed right here. Um, this is a film. How did I feel about this? Well, unlike some swine across the, you know, the cast from me here, I did go and see this movie in a theater. And boy, was I grateful to have that experience because um, of all the movies to see in a theater this year, this is one of the more rewarding ones. Dare I even say this is one of the most rewarding theatrical see, experiences maybe he's, ever. He's doing this on purpose. Much like you were just now with whatever you were trying to do there? No. It, it actually hurts to know that <laughs> you will intentionally uh, say things to try to harm me. You I just think that said says that a lot you, about you uh, as a person. Do you realize what projection is? Because that's what you do all the time. <laughs> it's like right there. Um, I mean, part of me does obviously empathize with you, Peter, because as I understand it, you were the only one that did not get to experience this movie in on the big screen. Because I did, and Kyle did, and Alexis Moreno did, and so did David Francisco. So seemingly you were uh, the odd man out, you know, to go and you notice how this isn't an apology. Ryan just, you just go right back to doing his movie doing at the cinema. Okay. So, you know, I'm just pointing out facts here. I'm, I'm not, you know, making any apologies for whatever you're trying to do there. Just like Donald Trump. Huh? I'll put it to you this way, Peter. Um, this movie is so good that I rewatched it. I, I finally sat down and watched it on Netflix yesterday. No, as a matter of fact, it was the day before. I was watching this the day before. And then the next day I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch that again. <laughs> um, I was expecting this to be the case, but I love this movie completely inside and out. I thought it was outstanding. And as it happens, it improves upon rewatch. Ryan Johnson is a filmmaker that cannot be paralleled, especially in this particular space that he's in. Um, this film was kind of great and improves on rewatch. Better than Knives Out? Um, I guess that's easy for you, yeah. I don't want to answer that question because I don't know what to say. <laughs> like, I, I, I honestly don't know the answer. I feel like both of those movies are on equal footing for me now. I feel like it, like what I said to, to Kyle, I think I personally, like, connect more so to Marta, you know, Ana de Armas' character in Knives Out. And, and as a Latino woman yourself. Yeah. As, you know, a wonderful character in that. However, I, I do think that the ensemble in Glass Onion 
there, there's a lot more to all of them. And it really weaves into um, the story here. And of course, Benoit Blanc gets more to do here. So it's kind of like a, this is an interesting situation where it's like, I love both of these movies. I just don't under, I, I, I don't know if I have a preference just yet. If you're to make me pick one, I'd still say the first one. But every time I'm watching Glass, I watched it twice this weekend. And it was like, fuck, that was amazing. Fuck, this is great. Wow, this is so good. Um, It was always going to be one of the best movies of 2022. And it did not disappoint. And of course, um, it's a great mystery. The the <laughs> layers of the onion or the, the, are just so... M- so meticulously planted once again it's like hidden in plain sight and then of course just the rug pulled out from underneath you the twists the turns the performances are sensational um the production design especially um the social commentary definitely the boot was a big part of this film in ways maybe perhaps you weren't expecting it to be but i would say it added it to the overall entertainment um if there were some favorites, of course you have Daniel Craig there as Benoit Blanc, but I, I did particularly gravitate toward um, Janelle Monet um, and Kate Hudson. Anything Kate Hudson did in this movie, I was like laughing hysterically. <laughs> Every reaction she had. So those were my thoughts, Peter. Um, well, as someone who you know, just for a little difference. Who actually really enjoyed the first Knives Out. Once again, Peter right there is being rather um, disingenuous. Again, go back and look at the actual recordings of uh, our discussions of Knives Out. I could point to you the audio commentary of <laughs> Knives Out where um, I actually knew more about the filming of the film than he did. So I should obviously speak volumes about who actually likes the first film more. So, so as I was saying, you know. Really enjoyed the first Knives Out. Wrong. <laughs> really loved it. And coming into this one, uh, as far as like comparisons, I think I really like Knives Out, the first one, more. I think I like it more. But uh, Glass Onion is very close. It's it's very it's so good and it's so fun, and w- the main takeaway I got from watching Glass Onion is like, yeah, I can watch one of these every couple years for like the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's so much fun, and and what I love so much is that Ryan Johnson knows that the mystery, funnily enough. Or not the mystery itself, but who did it? And that central question is not the most important part of the film. Yeah. The entertainment value. Yes. That is provided from um, the film in of itself is the most important. It needs to work as a film first and foremost Mm -hmm. before you even get to to it, you know, being a mystery. Um, but even then, what I love about his mysteries is they're never cheap. No. Because you see some mysteries and it's like they pull some random shit out of their ass 
at the end to make sure that you could never guess who did it. And it's like, well, that's just cheap. You should be able through rational deductions to kind of look at like, "Mm, well, it kind of seems like this person would probably do it. And with both Knives Out and of course Glass Onion. Glass Onion, that's kind of the point. Um, It never feels cheap when if you find out who did it. You're like, yeah, it makes total sense that this person would do it. And it matches up well with everything we've seen so far and and, you know how the entire um evidence that we've seen da 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 da. but even beyond that it's just so entertaining the cast is great they're so funny um everyone is having the time of their lives (laughs) and you feel it and it's directed beautifully there's so many amazing just camera shots that you notice um my fa- I think some of my favorite directors are just where you're just enthralled with how they move the camera mm-hmm. for even simple scenes. Yes. And there's so many times where it's just a simple scene of like two people talking and you see the way he moves yes. it just subtly here. And I, I just like from a, it's beautiful, it's beautifully directed, great script. Yeah. All the, the actors are coming in and giving their all and having so much fun and the mystery is legitimately fun <laughs> you yeah know? and it, it it takes all the tropes and it plays with them um, and it plays with you the audience yeah yeah <laughs> of course and he loves more so than any other um mystery type films he loves to play with the structure of the film and the way that you are you have ev- uh, not evidence but information doled out to you um, he did that with the first one. He did that here. I don't know what he's going to do <laughs> with the third one. Uh, Which apparently he is writing as we speak. Yes. And I assume it will take place at a ski resort. <laughs> um, I love just the different vibes the, the two films mm-hmm. have. Like um, the first movie is like peak autumn vibes. Yeah. And then this one's like peak summer vibes. Peak vacation vibes. Yeah. I think. Even more so than summer, but yeah, for sure, summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they just know to have fun with all of it, right? Because yeah. like the set design in both films, amazing. Yeah. It's so much fun to just stare at everything. Yes, yes. The costumes, or, or the not the I don't know if you would call them costumes, but the um, wardrobe. No, that's costumes. Oh, is it costumes? Yeah, that's okay, considered yeah. a costume. Yeah. Okay. The the costumes on both um, films fantastic again you could just it's fun to just stare at these people and all the crazy shit they're wearing Mm -hmm. and it's beautiful but also out there and and really pops off the screen they're just fun movies it's it's those kinds of movies where it's like yeah this this is why i like to go see a film you know Mm -hmm. and it's just everything with it pops and yeah i can't wait it it really is one of those things where (laughs) it's like a uh, what do you call it? Uh, I kind of felt the same with like a Mr. Jim Cameron. It's like, yeah, like you're just just throwing out all the reasons where I'm like, yeah, this is why I like to go to movies. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm, I'm here for the next one. You know, when's it coming out? <laughs> and yeah, for sure. It's a lot of fun. I mean, uh, there was just, just, just so much to it, you know, when you're watching it again and again that you're just like, 
like what you just said right there about you know how when you begin to notice how he moves the camera and where he takes the shot and how it's um all made to look interesting it's like most of this movie is going to be people just having conversations and yet it is just so <sighs> captivating it's twofold i think rightfully to a to a degree um the screenplay gets the most attention um because it is the writing obviously that would not this movie wouldn't work no movie would, would work without the writing but i think what's an underrated value of the film is ryan johnson's directing because i think the the directing i'm not sure that the whole the thing wouldn't work if ryan johnson didn't have the capabilities of the camera that he does let's just say and yeah. so much often that isn't as paid enough attention to as his writing for the film I think people yeah. don't realize how much energy in a film is sustained by the directing mm -hmm. and the way it's edited and the way the camera moves. Well, look right? how the movie opens. It's rather masterful how how many characters were introduced to seemingly all at once, but then mm -hmm. it when you see it several times over, it's like, wow, there was how was he able to do all of this so quickly? efficiency with time and yeah. it's not like it's a short film right <laughs> it's like two hours and 20 minutes yeah but it works uh he better have a a young asian woman in the third he's he's going down the minority list of oh women my God. so latina a black woman so now he has to have the score was great too by nathan johnson oh yeah the music really 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 works and again mm -hmm. everything's just kind of like bombastic and fun his cousin nathan johnson by the way yes remember that <laughs> but great who also did the score for the first night I was out and then also i believe um uh, nightmare alley last year um another film that a lot of people yeah -hooed, but Literally. i was like i love it i don't know i'm curious to hear what were some of your your favorite characters in this turnaround well for one you you were like wondering for half the movie why are people so like hot on um janelle, janelle Monet? Monet. yeah and then of course once you hit that halfway mark it's like oh okay i see what's going on with this character. she was genuinely great and then yeah she was great yeah um benoit blanc <laughs> Everything. Uh, there's a reason he's he's really like the glue that holds all this together he's so yeah. much fun mm -hmm. uh, he's the uh <laughs> although know. even less less of a cartoon than in the first one really you think he's more oh, of a cartoon on. here i mean look at what he's wearing uh, <laughs> i guess you don't know fashion Peter. and no and you know what he he plays it over the top on purpose oh yeah in the like first half uh-huh i would say and, and it was a little bit like, mm, he's really going for it for this. It's fun, but he's really going for I it. I was wondering about that, too. Because there was, a, there was, while he was really going for it and very much over the top, I was wondering in the back of my mind the first time I saw it, Benny, um, you're maybe a little, are you really like, he seemed, and he was playing into it, obviously now we know, but he seemed a bit too aloof for Benoit yeah. Blanc when he's first arriving to the island and he's caught by surprise that he wasn't actually invited there and he's like ooing and aahing and like being very like um you know uh like oh wow oh yeah yeah you know, yeah yeah and I, I thought to myself well funny I was like 
what's going on? No, it was all an act. Mm-hmm. It was all a fucking act, and it makes all that the better, I would say. Yeah. No, 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 no. Um, it's great. It's it's like uh, Yoda at the beginning of uh, <laughs> episode <laughs> five, Empire Strikes Back. Uh, so, yeah, character-wise, of course, Kate Hudson oh my steals God. everything. She's very funny. Um, everything she did every little thing <laughs> like f- from sh- trying to shazam a song in the beginning of the movie and she didn't realize that was not a shazam the sweatpants gag that's very funny <laughs> or the sweatshop gag i should i should sweatshop say. sweatpants yeah ah, gosh miss uh, birdie j she's an icon already <laughs> The Beyonce tribute, her going on Oprah. Oh, God, when she said that, I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Her going on Oprah and comparing herself to Harriet Tubman. In spirit. Tweeting the word Jewy. Like, God, every... And, of course, the compliancy mask that she wore. Her having parties during the COVID pandemic. Like, every little thing. Oh, but they're part of her pod. Yeah. Uh, I loved the uh, De Patista. Oh he god. was great. Oh my god. He was perfect. Mm-hmm. He was perfect. And it's funny because I saw Rain Johnson say somewhere that he had actually written it envisioning like a scrawny guy. Mm. That's kind of like overcompensating. I see. But it's weird because I didn't get that at all. Like I thought no. um, Batista fit perfect yeah. for the role. It was really, really good. Um, I really, I, I do feel like Catherine Hahn and and Leslie Odom Jr. were a little wasted. In As, terms of what they can do, yes, yeah. I think especially Leslie Odom Jr. Catherine Hahn has some fun moments, but mm-hmm. Leslie Odom Jr. is a little bit just kind of there. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, I enjoy him, obviously. Yes, yes. No, he's good, but oh, it's like Jessica Henwick is always great when she's around. She's always great. I re- I want her to like break out mm-hmm. and into like because it's a lot of stuff where it's like she's she's in a lot of stuff, but every time she can get like her big role, it kind of like falls apart. And it's like <laughs> annoying because yeah. she's really really good mm-hmm. and like everything. Like she she went toe to toe with everyone else here. Yeah, mean like um, Elon Musk himself. Speaking of Edward uh, Norton. Edward Norton. What perfect casting. He's so good. Because, I mean, Edward Norton, he's like a world-class, like, he's like an all-timer actor, right? Mm-hmm. Like, A. He's in the A-list. Yeah. Um, But he's also one of those, much like, uh, what's his name who's in here for like two seconds? Uh, uh, who? He's the one that shoots him. With oh, the, Ethan Hawke? Ethan Hawke, Yeah. Uh, to me, they're both kind of actors who are like that. They're like A-class actors, but who are like up for anything, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and yeah, he was great. He was great. <laughs> no, absolutely. If we can, I, I just have some questions I want to ask. This is going to be a spoiler part of the conversation for the movie. At what point did Miles know that was Helen and not Andy, like almost immediately, or no, right? I don't because th- I think he's too stupid, right? To, okay, I think he didn't know until um, Dave Batista showed him, right? I think he was shocked. I thought I think he thought she had died, 
But I think they even imply like he left, like he didn't know for what sure happened afterward. What like happened. He sh- I guess he's stupid, and if and you know the the movie takes ample shots to remind us of that. But like, if you were in that situation, you're like, wouldn't you run away or like do something? Because like, wait a minute, didn't you try to kill her? Mm-hmm. And then she just woke up and did nothing that would not be suspicious to you. Well, I think he's very um what do you call it? Unsure, Un- unnerved? Yeah. But um I don't think he knows that that's cuz I think he would have made like steps to do something if he knew that that was actually what's her name's uh sister helen yeah helen and not andy so like when when she walks off and you see his face i love that watching the movie a second time you're like this fuck you can tell he knows he's like what the fuck i thought i killed you (laughs) kind of a look like what are you still doing alive it works great especially because they really build up that everyone's like oh my god she's here yeah yeah so everyone kind of has that like shocked look but his really sells like more than what are you doing here? But like, oh, what are you doing alive? <laughs> mm-hmm. No, absolutely. And then also, especially because they kept it out of the the papers or the mm-hmm. news. Yeah. So he's like, yeah, I guess she's alive. But um, no, it's so wonderfully put together. You find new stuff every time. Yeah, it really does. You really do. Um. What's it called? Talking about this movie just makes me want to go back and see it again right now. Because it's genuinely one of the most entertaining films all year. And I think this will be one of the more entertaining ones to revisit. The man knows how to make an entertaining film. And I'm hopeful, not sure... But I am hopeful this is going to materialize into some, unlike the first movie where I think it only received a screenplay nomination, I'm hopeful it can um, materialize this time around into some more serious nominations. I don't, I I feel like Knives Out had more of a shot of that. Based on what? Uh, Gut. Oh, okay. Based on your gut, you think? So you think Glass Onion's not going to get anything? I say it's not going to get anything, but it, it, I think it's less in the running for stuff than Knives Out. I think it has a serious shot at winning adapted screenplay. Really? Because... Adapted? Wait, be- why is it, what's it adapted from? Remember the rules... And we can discuss if they're bullshit or not, but the official rules, and, and it is competing and adapted, is because it is a screenplay based on a character that's already existing. So, Benoit Blanc. And it's a sequel. So, anything that's a sequel is automatically categorized in adapted over original. So, it's not adapted from anything. But the Very reason why... Stupid. Yes. What a stupid rule. But here's the thing. That stupid rule is actually great because if, for example, if it was competing in original, it may not even get nominated because of how competitive the original screenplay category is this year. But the adapted screenplay is rather weak. And so there exists an opportunity, a path even, 
for that film to win there, especially considering if it ends up getting uh, a surprise Best Picture nomination. We'll see. I might not be a surprise if it does, I think. I think it's pretty... I think it's more likely than maybe less likely that it does. Especially because there's just uncertainty. There's a lot of un- uncertainty right now as to like which movie is going to fill that 10th slot. Or which three films are going to fill in those last three slots. And it can go from Babylon, Women Talking, Women King, Glass Onion. It's, Let it's, me tell you something. It being a Netflix exclusive, I think hurts it. Oh, yeah. But I, Netflix, I think, Netflix, well, go ahead. Go ahead. I think if it was in the theaters all this time, making all the money in the world, especially for movie theaters, <sighs> yeah, that would make people just all the more hype about it. And And again, it being a genuine like movie experience theater all these it's not a superhero movie it's not all this action it's not a big blockbuster it's you know it's a murder mystery with all these a-class actors and you know uh, a known filmmaker like like it's a movie movie so i think it now kind of going to watch it on netflix i do think that hurts it because also, they don't like Netflix. They don't like Netflix. That's true. They don't like to award Netflix movies anything. But they do get nominated, and they do get widely yeah. seen. So I'm curious to see um, what it does. Just that I think what ultimately hurts Glass Onion is that it's just not the type of movie to get nominated for these things. I think it can be considered maybe too genre-y, or maybe too comedy-esque for it um to usually be in the the kind of movies that get nominated so that it has that going against it i would say but that's why i said the first knives out kind of had more of a um a shot at getting a into shot that. yeah because it's less comedic and it might have but of course in that year they were not required to do 10 movies now going forward the rule changes they have to nominate 10 movies for best picture so, I guess we'll see um, where that goes, but we're going to go ahead and leave it there. Thank you so much for being on this show, and thank you all for listening. As a reminder, you can listen to our podcasts every single Sunday, anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anything. Um, and then we will be back with more reviews as the weeks and months go on, um, and stay under our spotlight for more content, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.